0: We have a lot of birds in Irvine. I never know what they are. So uh, I feel like i will become the expert now, right? Right, and the arms is for birds along the West Coast. So we have over 250 varieties of birds. Oh, the <laughs> we have over $250 million all the right time here in Columbia yeah, just give, give them the money because you want to get there as quick yeah. as possible. Give them the number, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think we're at 1030, so we'll uh, let me see if uh, Siri agrees with HP. Yeah, they do. All right, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures written for our learning. Grant to me in such wise hear them, read mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace, never hold fast, the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are um, we are into a couple of heavy chapters of Revelation, um, and I, I, I want to reiterate again that the um, there's a few things that can inform the the chap- You know what? I didn't put that. Let me get my speaker. it will be a bit easier to hear. I'm back with the microphone, so if you all talk, we can hear you online. Online, we have Elizabeth, Rhonda, and Ruth. And uh, for those who are online who can't see, we have Dean, Carol, Elena, Marion, Joan, and Angel. <laughs> I got scared when I started something where I do know his name. Like, oh, no, I'm going to be exposed here. <laughs> yeah yeah just <laughs> that woman <laughs> and good old what's her name i did that once in church i was announcing and i couldn't remember said and it got a laugh although i think i hope it didn't offend anybody good old, what's it's like that name's right there <laughs> 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 so with 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 revelation here I have a couple of things to remember um three things to remember one is that um we're getting um, a heavenly view of earthly things. So we're getting the spiritual reality behind visible things. And that's why we're not just seeing an army on horses, we're seeing demons and all this kind of stuff. And then um, another thing to remember is is this is very much rooted in the narrative of Israel, so all we're talking about here fits in into things we know, or or, or narrative themes we see in the Bible somewhere else. And um, the third thing is that it's highly symbolic; everything represents something. So you can't just say this means you know you you can't you you can fall in you can definitely run the danger of of over literalism. Um So reminding ourselves where we are, we were, um, in chapter eight, um, we had finished, oh, he opened the seventh seal of the scroll that the risen and glorified Christ held and held took from the Father symbolizing fulfillment of of the covenant and then those that scroll was opened seal by seal uh and then the seventh seal is actually because you need all to be opened open scroll that's unlocks it but then we get um when the seven seals are open, we get seven trumpets. We think we're gonna to come to an end, but it turns out we have seven trumpets. And then we get to the seven trumpet, we think we're gonna be done, but we're gonna have seven bowls or chalices or cups. And this represents the sort of gradually increasing nature of the judgment that is coming. It unfolds this way, but that's that's the, the um, it, it could also be seen as the, um, the long suffering of God. So we had the seals and the trumpets, and now we're, we're, when we get to chapter nine, we're on the fifth trumpet. So let's just jump in and talk about it. Chapter nine, verse one. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, um, what would this star falling from heaven be? Hmm? Satan. So, So, yeah, I mean, so, and the cross-references we have there are um, in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, um, Jesus sent out 70 others to minister, and when they returned, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, and Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then I also gave the cross-reference of chapter 12, where um, in verse 9, so that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. He was cast to the earth so when we talk about a star fallen there's a lot of repeated imagery here things that look at the same thing from a different standpoint and so um so he saw a star fall from heaven and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit now we'll talk about that in a second um but but part of the, the reality of what we're seeing, of what we'll see in the Bible and here in Revelation is that this judgment is is carried out by demons, but is completely controlled by God. Only the only thing that happens is what God allows. So he's given the key to the pit. He doesn't you know, if he doesn't have uh, so the pit um there, there's this um idea of the uh, uh of in in greek it's, it would be the abyss that's the word from the bottomless pit it probably relates to or, or it connects with in the old testament the deep um remember in genesis 1 uh, in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was out form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Um, there's a couple of interesting cross-references for this word abyss I gave to you um, in, for example, Luke 8.31. Jesus is casting out um, a legion of demons from a man. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him, "Thee would not command them to go out into the abyss. That's the same word here for bottomless pit. And it's the idea of a pit, a bottomless pit, is this image of just darkness emptiness that never ends it is of course an image because we'll have some fire in hell at the end of revelation but but um so it's my point here again is and um is also mentioned in, in the verse in romans i gave you um where But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And in a sense here also, the abyss, it's its sort of the abode where God is not. And, and there's going to be a, a great distinction here between where god is and where it's protected and where god's not and it's not so anyway so that that bottomless pit is um is connected in the scriptures to all to some of those things Um, so so you open the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit it just has a kind of it's it's a very chilling kind of image of of, of of the demons then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of earth have power they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. So a few things there. The locusts, anyone offhand, what what prophet um, talks about judgment as a locust plague? It's actually the prophet Joel Joel who who proclaims the judgment, and he talks about the four kinds of locusts who come chew everything up. But the point about that is that um, even in Joel, it, you know, there may have been some actual bugs, but he was really using the locusts as an image of a great army devoured. So the idea biblically is not new that a pagan army coming to judge God's people is proclaimed, in the, is, is portrayed in these terms of, you know, of, of uh, here here's locusts. So, so it's important to understand that. And... To them was given powers as the scorpions, as they're, not, they're supposed to, the scorpions of the earth have power. They're commanded not to harm the grass, the earth, green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And what's really going to be drawn out in a few places in this chapter is um, that those who dwell in the sanctuary of God, those who are marked by God are protected by God from the judgment. And what's what's happening in the judgment, therefore, so that, and where do we hear about those who have uh, the seal of God? Where did we hear about that? Yeah, in chapter seven, 144,000, and then the multitude, they all have the seal of God in their foreheads. So God has marked, before the judgment started, he marked those who are his. Now here come the heathen hordes, and they can attack, but they can't attack those who are protected by God. And we talked about how this bears a, a resemblance to the you know, the Passover in Egypt, marked the, door, the lintels of the house. The angel of death comes through, spares God's people, but, but the plague comes upon all the rest. Now um, in Deuteronomy 8.15, Ezekiel 2.6, and Luke 10.19, God's protection of his people is, is portrayed, symbolized by being protected from scorpions. So here there are scorpions who are attacking, but they're not attacking the elect, so it's, 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 it's symbolism though that's significant. And they were given authority to kill them, not, not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So in a sense, divine protection from scorpions has been withdrawn. And this is all about divine protection being withdrawn. Same thing that happened in Ezekiel when uh, the cherubim left the temple. We read about that in an earlier chapter in Ezekiel, uh, when, when, it, when the God's presence surrounded by cherubim leaves the temple, the temple is no longer protected and the Babylonians can come and destroy it then. So having rejected the Messiah, Jerusalem's protection has been removed. And now there's there's no barrier to judgment. I'm not sure I, I follow you. Obviously, the temple is protecting God's people. God's presence was protecting God's people. When God's presence is removed, God's people are not protected. Right? Yeah, I think I think that's right. But but there are creatures who surround him with watchful eyes. So. Um, what well those who were compromised didn't realize not everyone got compromised so that's why the letters to the churches are you know well i mean the the themes are pretty consistent the idea of being tempted to be unfaithful to God by sexual immorality is is, is that Balaam-like temptation. It's certainly a temptation or a culture for people to fall into the, the sort of worship of whatever it is, pleasure or whatever, because, oh, hey, this is what you do to get by. It's exactly the same theme. So you, you, the discernment is, is understanding these biblical themes and truths um, and then discerning how that same reality you know is present now but here this is this is in the first instance talking about the judgment that's coming on jerusalem in 87 this that's this what i'm proposing you know people that that's not universally believed but to me it's the more i look at these uh, it's it's self-evidently obvious that I, I don't think a com- commentators on Revelation that miss that foundational point really are confusing, because they're 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 fishing around for stuff. Um, so there's this one commentary I, I I have. Jack has a copy of it over there, I think, or if you have it home. Yeah, that one. That um, he says some things about this. Um, so I just, I just read from this commentary. Because you start talking about five months and they look like women, and there's all kinds of ways you can apply this. And no one can really with certainty say this is what it means. But um, I, I quote Chilton because are you, are, are you, I have mentioned this name Josephus. Are you familiar with who Josephus is? He is a Jewish historian who wrote a couple of large books, The History of the Jews and the Wars of the Jews and they're readily available. They're somewhat tedious reading, but the the history of the Jews is is interesting because he chronicles things that parallel the biblical narrative, sometimes providing information in the tradition that is not in the Bible and the wars of the Jews. So he has a chronicle of the first century. And when when we talk about how we connect what Revelation says to um, the first century events, what Josephus actually says often provides a clue. So when I'm quoting Chilton here, I'm quoting him quoting Josephus because I didn't want to go look it up. My tiny print—they're like tiny print editions—but so let me just read this. This is from the the, the Wars of the Jews, the Jewish Wars. Um, it says. At first, Chilton's comment, then the comment from Josephus. Why does a locust plague last for five months? The figure is, first of all, a reference to the period of five months from May to June, when locusts normally appear. That's the season for locusts. The unusual features that locusts remain for the entire period, engaging in a constant torment of the population. Second, this may refer in part to the actions of Jesseus Florus the procurator of Judea, who for a five-month period, beginning in May of 66, with the slaughter, 3,600 peaceful citizens terrorized the Jews, deliberately seeking to incite them to rebellion. He was successful. He wanted to incite them to rebellion so that he, he could crush them. Josephus dates the beginning of the Jewish war from this occasion. Third, the use of the five is associated um, with with power in the Bible and uh, the arrangement of Israel and militia in five squad platoons so that the five could have the military. Uh, So this is a demonic army from the abyss characterized by locusts so there's there's a few things on that. You can't say, oh, clearly this means that. But if you read Josephus, it's striking how um, well. Wh- what's interesting about reading Josephus, if you just read some chapters around the destruction, is how horrible it really was. And 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 he talks about heavenly signs happening. Uh, and, he taught, and, he, and Josephus himself, a Jew, said never was a, a, a population as worthy of judgment as this one. So, and, but he chronicles all the things that, that, that happened. It is Josephus who gives the number of, of dead in, in the destruction of Jerusalem as a million. So it was catastrophic. So verse 6, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth lions' teeth. the uh, sort of description of the, um, the demons. Demons in, in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament, the demonic thing is associated with a hairy one. So hair and demons is a pretty common association. Esau. Well, yes, because Esau, Edom, hairy, and red, a lot of the demonic image uh, can be traced to that um yes which is not to imply that uh, Harry manner are demonic uh, this passage about uh, might also, uh, as Chilton says, refer in part to this satanic gangs of murderous zealots that preyed on the citizen of Jerusalem. Josephus writes, quote, the people had more to fear from the zealots than from the Romans. With their insatiable hunger for loot, they ransacked the houses of the wealthy, murdered men and violated women for sport. They drank their spoils with blood And from mere satiety, satiety, they shamelessly gave themselves up to effeminate practices, plaiting their hair and putting on women's clothes, drenching themselves with perfume, and painting their eyelids to make themselves attractive. They copied not really the dress, but also the passions of women, dressing in their excess of licentiousness, unlawful pleasures in which they wallowed as in a brothel. This is just the historian describing this. Thus they entirely polluted the city with their foul practices, yet they wore women's faces, yet though they wore women's faces their hands were murderous, they would approach with mincing steps, then suddenly become fighting men, and whipping out their swords from under their dyed cloaks would run through every passerby. So this gives what it explains when you when you read Revelation and say This sounds horrible. Josephus gives some historical details. Yeah, it was kind of horrible. Verse nine, they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails, their powers to hurt men for five months. And again, the scorpions, um, in those passages I mentioned, Deuteronomy 8.15, Ezekiel 2.6, Luke 10.19, God's protection is is protection from scorpions, so protection is being taken away here. And they had as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, he has a name up a lion. There are scorpions in the Near East. I don't know if, I don't, yeah. Oh, scorpions here? Oh, okay, so I just, (laughs) I haven't seen any here. My uh, Hebrew teacher, who used to go on archaeological dig- digs, said they go and they they sleep on these cots, which are raised above the ground in tents because the scorpions couldn't climb up on them, but they'd be around them as they. So, you you don't think you'd be a good archaeologist? <laughs> so the other thing, just in the milieu of John's gospel here, that this army is commanded by by clearly. You know the the evil one. Um, we remember in John's Gospel that um, Jesus had a great debate with the religious leaders about you know Mo- we have Moses as our father, and he said, "No, he, Moses isn't your father because you would listen to him. You know you do what he said to do, but your father is is the devil. You always do what he wants you to do." So. The fact that you have, you have chosen to reject the Messiah and follow your own heart and and evil in rejecting the Messiah, the idea of the judgment now is carried out by the army of him to whom you've given your allegiance, who is just destruction. And we also need to remember here too that this is the um, Jesus posits it that way, which is that um, we had in our gospel last Sunday that when the Holy Spirit is coming, Jesus said, the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. And that is now the sin. Sins are things that people do because they're separated from God, but the one sin for which people will be held accountable is not believing in the Messiah who whom God has sent. And so um, we don't you know judge who has or hasn't what opportunities people had, but saying willfully no to the Messiah that God has sent leaves you only under the dominion of something else and and so and and also when god's people abandon uh, even christian people they abandon the protection of god and they we open ourselves up to all manner of other things because the protection of god on our lives which is by the Holy Spirit, we're sealed and God is with us. It doesn't mean we won't suffer or or things won't happen. It means we will be eternally protected. And God will make sure that, as Jesus said in in John's Gospel, no one can take them out of my hand. He's his providential ordering over our life. But when we reject him, we live outside that protection, and all of a sudden, various things come upon us. And this is this is this is what's being portrayed on a large scale here in the judgment of Jerusalem. Is something that's a principle simply of of, of faith and belief, and and uh, providential protection, and unbelief, and the danger that comes when God's when God is not our Our defense and our shield. Verse 12 One woe is past. Behold, two more woes are still coming, are coming after these things. Now, um, also biblically just to connect again in another place so what we're seeing here if, if with your interpretation I'm I'm offering here that this demonic attack is a demonic attack it's the heavenly reality be- behind um, the Roman invasion of Jerusalem in AD 70 that's going to destroy the city and also behind all of the other preliminary woes that afflicted jerusalem once it has rejected the messiah so in matthew chapter 12 uh you remember that we have a gospel um during the summer uh about the unclean spirit when it when it when jesus cast out a demon and uh who was mute and the mute person spoke and then his opponent says he casts out demons by beelzebub the ruler of demons and jesus goes on to a, a long story a house divided against a house you know the abe lincoln line that he borrowed from jesus for uh uh house divided against a house cannot stand um and he says when an unclean spirit goes out of the man he goes to dry places the desert places seeking rest And finding none, he says to himself, I will return to my house from which I came. And he goes and finds seven spirits more wicked than himself, and they come and dwell there. So let me just read this here for the application. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with the generation and condemn it, because they repented of the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with his generation and condemn it. <clears throat> For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order excuse me then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first now the gospel reread doesn't have this concluding line we read luke's version in matthew's version jesus says so shall it be with this wicked generation and part of the parent the, the, the whole it's an overarching parable of israel that God has, has has in their narrative brought them out of Egypt and made them clean, cast the unclean spirit out. But now at the apex of their history, when God sends the Messiah and they reject it, they leave themselves open so that their last state, the state of having fully rejected God's will for them is worse than their first state, captivity in, Israel, in Egypt. It's better to be in need of redemption and not knowing it yet, than it is to, to know it, reject it, and therefore be in that space of final judgment. There are also, um, I'm, I'm not going to read these today, but at the end of Deuteronomy, where there's um, a, a covenant book um, in chapter 28, verses 14 and following. There's a list of the, of the curses that will come upon Israel if they don't heed the, the Torah. And they're not pretty at all. Okay. Let's move on. Verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now, notice, again, the sanctuary, this vision is coming from the true sanctuary, which is heaven itself, where there is an altar, where the chair them are, where the church is, the four and tw- twenty-four elders, the multitude of that number. They're sealed. They're secure within the sanctuary. That's where these judgments are coming from. So the, uh, a voice came from the altar saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, this is another image of a removal of protection, because if you look in um, Deuteronomy 10.24, for example, when God gives the outer limits of, of the promised land, the Euphrates River is the is the eastern border of it, and that means Israel is protected within the land where God dwells and protects His people. But now, because the protection is being removed, the command is release them. They can come now. So that's that's a, that's the image there. The other consistently biblical idea here is that whenever in the old testament israel is under threat it always came from the north across the euphrates river because the euphrates that's sort of the what called the fertile crescent the watering and 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 so you all the great powers had to cross that to come and, and invade israel and and when they did it, it was it was usually because israel had been disobedient but now in the symbolism being they're they're being finally disobedient is another image of how protection is being removed because israel has rejected his messiah so god's protection is not with it anymore For example, Jeremiah uh, says, Behold, a people comes from the north, and a great nation we raise raised from the farthest parts of the earth. They will lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea, and they ride on horses. As men of war send array against you, O daughter of Zion. Judgment from the north across the Euphrates. So it's not a new thing. It's being portrayed in spiritual symbols here, but it describes the thing that's a, a very normal biblical concept. So the four angels who have been prepared for that hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the point of who are prepared for that hour, day, month, year is that none of this is outside the sovereignty of God. This is not random chaos it's the just judgments of god over which god has complete control a third of mankind is and again we want to um remember remember the symbolism that we highlighted last time that that from god's perspective the creation is centered in israel and the temple so when we're talking about undoing the creation with all these trees and things that's it's not it doesn't mean literally the whole planet of creation but god's creation he's made in his people centered in the temple and so um a third of mankind this is it's a stair stepping we had a in in the seals we had a quarter of something that's destroyed now we have a third which is a significant amount but not most so it's, it's 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 a slow escalation of judgment we've had a third already too yeah now the number of the army the horsemen was 200 million i heard the number of them and that's where In all these dispensationalist books, you get great armies coming from China or somewhere. Verse 17, And I saw, thus I saw the horses in a vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. Out of their mouth came fire, smoke, and brimstone. not pretty by these plagues a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke of the brimstone which came up out of their mouths for their powers in their mouths and their tails for their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they do harm just an image of the awfulness of it you can unpack every little detail we're not going to do that but the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, but they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk." So the point of this judgment is to bring people to repentance, but, it, but they're not repenting. Here we have the same kind of image that you had with, with um, Pharaoh A plague has happened and pharaoh hardens his heart he doesn't say gosh i guess i must be i must be wrong i'll confess the god of israel now it's interesting too just when people even experience consequences in their own lives how hardened people can get um humility when something comes upon us to, to humble ourselves before God, but when people are hardened, they become more bitter, more blaming, more, it's sort of what in the Bible talks about, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth because there are consequences and they won't take any responsibility. They'll blame, it wasn't fair, wasn't this, I didn't get what I wanted. Some of the uh, dialogues that, appropriate, that C.S. Lewis brings out well in The Great Divorce. Where, where you know people are complaining I, I i i have a right to this i you know they're complaining about they didn't get the ju- the recognition they deserve didn't get this or didn't get that and um so they did not repent that's the goal of of, of judgment to bring people to repentance Look up one verse real quickly. Um, for the sake, I'm just looking up a verse very quickly. One of this something looks seven. Oh yeah. So, and then, the, the, and the point is, is that um, also that God doesn't think He needs to say anything more. I mean, if if He is told, you know, like Israel has His Torah and they just listen to the word, so they don't repent. It's, but but it's, it's it's like the the pair of the rich man and Lazarus where uh, the rich man uh, dies, and he's in Hades, and he says, hey, you know, send Lazarus to tell my family. And he says, they have Moses and the prophets. So God doesn't feel like he needs to repeat it five times or count to three. Okay, Zach. It is why, humbling events in our lives should be seen as graces because they can remind us um oh yeah i'm a mortal person who who must rely on the grace of god because what happens we get full of ourselves we forget that and we we lose sight of god's word because it's not comfortable or convenient Okay, chapter 10. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head and his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. This does seem to be an image of Christ just because it bears such resemblance to the description we got in chapter one. Also, the cloud, clothed with the cloud, the glory cloud. No angel is really described as that. Only, only Christ, um, face like the sun shining in the strength. That was, that was also Christ described in chapter one. In verse two, he had, he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Um, this seems to be an interlude to remind ourselves that Christ, a foot on the land and the sea, holding a book, the covenant, which applies to everything, It's a reminder that, that, Christ is in control. You have all this demonic stuff going on, but, but He is Lord. He is. Um, he has the book in His hand that He, you know, the, 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 uh, And it's interesting thing about so so the, the seven there's seven thunders cry with a loud voice. Uh, they have their voices. And he says, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So there's some part of this that we don't get to know completely. Do do not appear to be. It's another thing that highlights what John is writing here is is largely for his current audience. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and all the things that are in it, the earth and all the things that are in it, and the sea and all the things that are in it, there should be no there should be delay no longer but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel when he is about to sound the mystery of god will be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets Um, the image here um is is a, a faithful witness and jesus is called in um in uh revelation 1 chapter 1 verse 5 the faithful witness so he takes an oath that it is, It's time it's also a way that um he shows he's the judge he's holding the book and he's proclaiming that uh the time has come i'll look up one other verse i made a note on here Leave that alone. OK. So and you get this kind of back and forth in Revelation between the judgments on God's promise and, 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 and God's presence and God's control of all that is happening. So it's chaos. It's, it's just righteous judgments that God himself has ordained. And as he declared in his servants the prophets, nothing that's happening is not in accordance with what God has planned and revealed in the scriptures and the prophetic writings. Verse eight, then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. This is a, the prayer we use, which is from the second Sunday of Advent, grant through me and such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it. said, take and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth." Which speaks of the, um, is almost, you can get that as we read Revelation that the word of God is always sweet and life-giving, but a lot of these things like, oh, like this judgment is not, so it's this prophetic word is, is really sweet, that God, you know, as it, Assuring that God is in control, but it's still tough that this is all happening. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, again, with this idea of eating the scroll, I'll read to you from Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1. As Ezekiel writes, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them so this idea of eating it comes from the old testament it's not a a brand new image and and um you know that that, that's right it's a little different it's not a one-to-one thing but but this is of course um the end of of the old covenant and the destruction of the temple and the end of the old covenant age is a bitter thing that transcends even what happened uh because ezekiel is is writing you know around 600 bc as a prelude to the uh, Babylonian destruction of the of the of the of the first Solomon's Temple, so there's a there's a great parallel um, between. It's probably a good thing to maybe surface by old chronologies and hand those out, but the parallel between Old Testament Israel being unfaithful. And incurring judgment was that the Babylonian army that's the army that came from the east across the Euphrates River and ended up destroying the first temple that temple was rebuilt that was 586 BC that temple was rebuilt in in 515 BC and it was beautified into its it, 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 by Herod in the century before Christ that's why it was it wasn't beautiful in 515 it was a sad. A sad facsimile of its former self but to curry favor herod had a building project that's when she, when they say to jesus look how beautiful this is herod had, had adorned it uh, and now because of the final judgment of uh, uh, the final rejection of uh, by the old covenant people now that it'll be the roman army coming from the north to destroy, but exactly parallel in its, but the one is interim and this is final. That's the difference. So uh, that's that's what I. Any other questions about that? We next time I think we're doing. Um, 11 and 12 which is which are we um, yeah, have the the war in heaven which is a uh, a significant thematic passage we'll spend some time we just did and i and i'm and we have time to spare i'm trying to fill so i'm trying to fill four minutes two chapters i'm trying to fill four minutes of space here because you know you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean and and, I think one to 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 not um also also to not uh run too you know, you can run a mock in revelation if you lose sight of what you're hearing. And again, this to, to 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 conclude kind of what I started with. This is the heavenly, rea- the, the spiritual reality, shall we say, behind the physical things going on. That evil is rooted in the evil one, and the evil being done in and about Jerusalem is a function of, of God's protection being withdrawn, of, of forces of evil being cut loose as a result, and his pe- and, and that judgment coming. But... The main point is god's people those who belong to have been sealed and they're not touched by this it doesn't mean they're not suffering it means that they're safe in god's protection even if they die they will they will live and and so those those are the themes that we miss and that's the enduring theme because the same thematic reality applies to where we live in now where people reject but you know god and what he has said and there are certain things happen in the world that that are interim marks of this. And and we, as we hold on to Christ and live in Christ, we we are safe within the sanctuary. In that that's been described to us, uh, we're safe. We're being we're not being judged. We it doesn't mean we won't suffer, but we 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 um, any more than it means our Lord wouldn't suffer. But staying in um, in christ in his body faithfully uh, that's that's how we even death can't separate us from him fire church ah. all right we'll gather again next week let's pray lord bless us and keep us the lord make his face to shine upon us be gracious unto us the lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore good to have you with us we had Connie and Ruth and Rhonda and Elizabeth online so